0: You're in a position of power when you have a page that has one point something million followers. Give me like a moment where that challenge really like surfaced for you. And you know, Love in Dubai having reported on something that was kind of troublesome.
1: Okay, well, pick one. Starting a Love in Dubai today, um, I feel like we're still starting Love in Dubai today. I'm literally looking and obsessing over new media formats constantly.
0: Okay, is it worth around 5 million US dollars right now? Yeah. What, what do you think is more important when you're trying to start a business, passion or discipline? Oh, good one. Richard, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know you're a busy man. And... You are the CEO and founder of Love in Dubai, one of the most popular um, pages or media organizations in Dubai right now. What do you think is the secret kind of the secret sauce of what made Lo- Love in Dubai what it is today?
1: I, I think thanks, Yasmeen, for having me on your podcast. A fan of what you're doing, I've seen the seen you pop up a bit, and I know it's only the third episode, so it's good to be at. It's good to be on with a fellow content creator. Uh, I don't think it's a mix of things like every now and again, new media brands pop up and, uh, you know, we're going sort of eight years and it's about being able to sustain that. Uh, you know, there's certain things that we've identified what Love in Dubai is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a local news and lifestyle platform. Uh, you know, it's a mindset, it's love in your life. So it's not necessarily a demographic mm-hmm. uh, or an age or a gender or anything like that. Yeah. uh it should appeal to anyone with that mindset no matter what age they are by and then it's fast social news uh, it's uh it's a bit of fun it's a bit of escapism Uh, And it's a mix of different things.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's also become kind of this like pop culture staple. A lot of people go to Love in Dubai to just to know what is up in Dubai right now. So which is which is always great. I just want to know, like, take me back a little bit. Take me back to where it started. Where did you get that idea from? And was it an idea or was it something that was kind of uh, suggested to you?
1: It wasn't really an idea. Yes, I was working in uh, media agencies. i had been in Dubai three years at the time. It was 2015 And I'd previously worked in Dublin and London and I was sort of early 30s. And uh, I always thought I wanted to have wanted to test out like having a social media agency or something like that. Mm. And uh, a friend of mine had set up Love in Dublin uh, and it wasn't wasn't that they were making profit, but I just felt that there was something about the brand that I thought could work. And, you know, like these podcasts and everyone's making podcasts now, like rewind the clock back sort of eight, 10 years and blogs were still quite popular. Although Instagram was taking over mm. and, but it was very hard to uh, set up a blog that had media credibility from the start or something like that. Yeah. And I thought that was a point of difference. I liked how they designed the website and stuff like that. So I signed a 10 year area developer agreement while I was, while while I was doing other work and um, I got an NOC from the current employer. Mm-hmm. I hired an editor from ITP thinking that that was a solution yep. and a salesperson and neither of them worked. Okay. And eight months in, I would put in about, between friends and family, I put in about $160,000 and it was nearly all gone. Uh, so I left the, the MD role I was doing mm-hmm. and I uh, became editor, and I okay. can't spell. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it,
1: yeah. I, I, can't, I definitely still can't spell. I don't have it. Confidence
0: is there. That's what we can say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, but but I knew how to do social media. I knew how to growth hack. I knew how to, and I knew what was needed. I remember asking yeah. the market and the media mm-hmm. agencies, "What do you think of this idea?" And they kind of said, "Oh, is it a timeout? Is it this? Is it that?" And they said, "Well, it's saturated, right? Like Shortlist had launched. There was Stylist. There was What's On. There was mm-hmm. other titles, and then there was the the new services." And they said, well, there's loads, of, there's loads of unsaturated categories, like business and music and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this one's saturated. And I was kind of like, yeah, but, you know, I see that what they're doing on digital. And they're writing and posting about 10 articles a week. And I was just kind of like, you know, looking at what was happening in the U.S. and other markets. and knew that that you needed to do 10 times more. So right. we just went in with that approach. And we did 14 hours a day, uh, seven days a week and didn't stop and still haven't stopped.
0: (laughs) And that's what I was going to ask you. What was the gap in the market that you saw that needed to be kind of addressed?
1: Um, It was actually it wasn't necessarily the gap in the market from a consumer point of view. I think it was more the tactics that weren't being done in in social digital publishing. And I think there was clickbait, there was uh, viral juice around uh, different things. Uh, there was, you know, Ice Bucket and Challenge came along, live videos. There was all those sort of things. And they keep coming and formats keep coming. But, uh, you know, there was definitely a gap in the market because Dubai is such a hotbed of a city. Like, there's just so much going on. I remember the editor telling me, oh, they're going to go and live in the UK in the summer because there's nothing happening in Dubai. And I was just like, no, but like three million people are on their phones every day obsessively. That means there's activity. And it was, And it was just that mind shift. It was kind of like, if people are posting a tweet, yeah. you can do news.
0: That's a good observation that people, even if it's the summer, it's going to be slow. People are going to be on their phones trying to figure out what to do during the summer. That's, that's what
1: to do and, and also to consume content. To, yeah. That's relevant and local. And, there's, you know, there's, we, we, don't have a, we don't have an editorial calendar. Really? Yeah, never. And we don't have a deadline
0: then how do you know what to post
1: because it just comes it just happens it
0: just happens all oh,
1: it just right. happens like there's no such thing as a slow day never we never we never stress about it we you know we never make plans for lists or anything but like that but surely
0: you plan before for example you know um independence day comes along or eid comes along nothing no, really nothing Wow.
1: Every day, uh, the DMs are full. The news cycle happens. The first post goes up at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. And it just rolls all day.
0: So what kind of content did you start with? Or what kind of content had you envisioned for Love in Dubai when it first started?
1: Uh, Well, like Love in Dublin had this sort of Irish crack drink culture stuff. Mm. And then with Love in Dubai, you know, it's hard to think back if there was a real editorial plan around it. Like, I, I definitely thought that we had to capture the zeitgeist of the city we had to make the city feel alive digitally and uh then it evolved and we've got better at explaining what this is but it's community stories not companies it's you know writing about influencers using local names so from the start we'd we'd say moe instead of model emirates we'd Mm. write about rashid Belhasa money kicks and uh, Mo vlogs and all these people that people would say, "Who are they? Who's mm-hmm. that?" Stop making stupid people famous and all this sort of stuff. And then yeah. write about them a hundred times in a year, and you you become part of their story and that type of thing.
0: And that's what I was saying. It, be, it becomes part of the conversation, and that's why I feel like it's become kind of this pop culture staple in Dubai because people are talking about Mo vlogs, and you can say MOE. and and you it's kind of like you're in the how do you, like you're in the inner circle kind of thing. You're like, you know, people know what you're talking about and you make people feel included.
1: Yeah. And it was similar with, uh, His Highness Sheikh Hamdan. He was so good at Instagram and social media from an early day that, uh, you know, we, we just started writing about him in a way that, Mm -hmm. and even different members in in, in Royal Family in a way that people are proud that they're here and, and, uh, similar to national brands, Mm -hmm. right. Right. Rather than waiting for Emirates press release, like we just realized from an early day that like there are certain things and this works across all the sort of 16 loving cities across the region. Now there's a playbook that there are certain things that resonate if you can package it up in an emotive way, but you know, uh, homegrown brands, nostalgia sweets. You remember when you grew up, like if I say that to a listener now, if I tell you when you were 10, what sweets did you like? Every listener here will think of something else, whether you're from Jordan, whether you're from, uh, Egypt, whether you're from India, whether you're from Ireland, everyone will mm-hmm. think of something else. And, but it's the same emotive reaction or what did your granny give you? Yeah. Like, was it, where is original or was it a X? X, you know, and, yeah. and this sort of thing. And like, when you, when you kind of understand that sort of those trigger points of emotive content and you can uh, find journalists and find people who grew up in that city, mm-hmm. you've got a nice little recipe then, but it's not a franchise. And I learned that pretty early that like, you can't give, you can't tell each place that this is the size of the straw. Like, you know, when we went into Saudi, like now our team over there is 80% Saudi nationals, 90%, same in Egypt, same everywhere that we go in Pakistan, Sudan, in Oman, it's all the same. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're always trying to find, to capture that local, uh, thing.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So emotive content is, is, I guess would be maybe like your, your vision or what you want to kind of portray on your pages, right? Like, but do you also consider yourself like a news agency in any way yeah. or form?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Augustus Media is the, is our company. Right. Uh, and is that your company? That's my company. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that I set up day one. Mm-hmm. And as we were going, we bought out of Lovin' thing and they sort of changed plans there. So we, we wanted Augustus Media to be a modern media company of choice in the Middle East and North Africa. That was our vision. Mm. Uh, and that's our mission, I, I suppose. And there was a time when Dublin changed leadership and they decided not to do news anymore. Okay. And I felt that they lost the life of it. And I felt that, like there is a role for non-news, how to and um, where to go guides. Yeah. Absolutely. But I felt that like if you were if you were uh, giving updates of what to do in a city over 15, 20 years, mm you wouldn't necessarily tell any stories of the people or things uh, that are capturing what's happening, that's going on in the city. And you're not that much of a utility and you're not really much of a, something that people sort of want to know what's really happening. So uh, we definitely kept that news part and it was challenging because it's media in the region. It's getting the right, what was the national media council license and then the MRO, the media regulator office license. And it was, Mm -hmm. and it's always challenging. And, and it's, you know, the doubly challenging in an environment of fake news, of fast social publishing. And how do yeah. you build an organization around that? And how do you do it that, you know, as I said, no deadlines. And in a world where if you make one mistake, it's in screenshotted in a WhatsApp group at government level and the phone's ringing, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you, and you're trying to do that, but yeah. also trying to create jobs for people from universities who want to be media personalities and want, want to work and, and be journalists, not write press releases.
0: It's a sense of, it's a huge sense of responsibility, I would say, right? Like just having that whole, the news angle, having, you know, so many employees and people depending on on you. Um, what would you say, give me like a moment in time where, you know, that challenge really like kind of surfaced for you in terms of like, you know, Love & Dubai having reported on something that, you know, was kind of troublesome.
1: Okay, well, pick one, because, <laughs> pick one. So, yeah. you, you know, t- to be honest, there's loads, right? Yeah. And so I would ask you to ask me about one. All
0: right, okay, let's, I feel like I remember there's a, the, you know, Ravi, the restaurant, the Ravi restaurant? Yeah. When the Adidas story came out, there was some controversy about, something came out where they were saying they weren't paying their employees, mm. or I think 11 Dubai had reported that they were not paying their employees. Mm. Mm. And... This I got from Reddit. I remember people were talking about it and then someone had reported, no, it's fake news. They they have been paying their employees and you can't say that. And it's in, you know, it's in, I think it was in um, collaboration with Adidas. So like Adidas wouldn't let that happen. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. The final details of that one, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Let's take a step back. So I think yeah. with, with what we've tried to understand and what, what I like about media in this region mm-hmm. and you know, I'm I'm an immigrant. I'm not a journalist. I'm not from the region either. Okay. But what I like about it uh, is that the the media is pretty new. Yep. Right. Like under the Ottoman Empire, there was no printing press. Uh, the print, first printing press, which I found a fascinating statistic recently in Riyadh, was in 1953. Right. Like. Newspapers, New York Times are 1950s, the newspapers in the region are 1970s. Mm. You know, so news news is pretty new and none of the global, none of News Corp or any of those companies ever had an office in the region ever. No newspaper, no print, no nothing. So there's no precedent for Pan-Arab in this way. There's local newspapers and there's local TV stations. So what we're trying to do, there's no roadmap for. Mm. There's also this idea, and this is a little bit sort of sensitive and controversial, but you know, I think you have to understand the culture and you have to understand the constitution and uh, of the countries in the region and their relations to Islam. And, you know, because people in the U.S. or Western journalists fall behind a constitution in the U.S. from the late uh, 18th century that says First Amendment is freedom of speech. And they use that as their mantra for media. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's a global mantra because that constitution doesn't rule outside of the US. Yep. So I think there's so to explain that to Western audience, I never can. They will never they'll they never appreciate. They won't understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So once we understand it, we I think we're quite fortuitous that loving your life, the loving brand, suits a lot of this because it's a lot of it is is, you know, we don't do reviews, right? Right. So uh, let reviews me of just,
0: restaurants and stuff like that, you no, don't do that? Don't okay. Do them. Yep.
1: So basically for me, there's there's three areas that are the media guidelines, and this is how we can uh, have uh, you know this sort of trust our young journalists. And there's over thirty people who create content every week. There's seventy five yeah. employees in the company, but we say, look, uh, no no in, no Islam, nothing, uh, no religious, uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, you know, the, the prophet, peace be upon him. Nothing, respect the prophet, respect yeah. the Islam, and then the leadership, respect yeah. the leadership, and then respect your ability to make a living so defamation and other. if I said that this Dubai podcast studio mm. uh if I said something insulting around that yeah how dare I who am I to stop that and if I said that Yasmin's podcast x mm. how dare I so if you can take that through to everything then everything comes through right. and in some of these cases some of this stuff is super subjective
0: it is. That's that's where it come You know. That's where it's challenging. I guess that's where the challenge comes in because you might think it's like, oh, you know what? We were super respectful in this case, but someone might see it as.
1: Yeah, not. and in in the case of a, say a restaurant that might have business challenges, right? You know, on one level, you're you know, we're huge supporters. I'm. I think we've written as many articles, if not more, in eight years than anyone has on Ravi's, and mm-hmm. you know, we really have. Uh, kind of gotten behind all the local community stuff and really got behind that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, even normally we wouldn't have, when it originally announced with Adidas, we would normally have not done companies, but we mm-hmm. was such a community story that we covered it anyway. So much positivity. But then sometimes, you know, comments go off and people get triggered and all that. But I think like in that case, like, you know, there is, there is a sense that there might be some employees, and I'm not sure the specifics, but there might be a story to tell on that side as well. You yep. know, and... Going back to this ex- this defamation, the first two are very clear to me. Yep. The third one is is tricky because if you're, for example,
0: the third one, as in the reviews, the defamation, the part. the defamation yeah, part. Okay. The, the,
1: the insulting, ruining the chance of someone for uh and for the business opportunity. Right. Uh, you know, for example, if we report about a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I say that there's a fire near Heathrow. Yeah. Right, would I get a call saying that you're harming the ability of someone to travel from the airport you're stopping our economy
0: because now you're basically defaming so the name fearmonger, exactly uh, you're f-
1: telling people that they shouldn't travel because there might be a fire in the vicinity of the of heatro airports yeah uh, if if there's a, a storm and if a video goes up that shows uh winds and rain and mm. uh, uh a building under construction with a banner flagging back and forth. Yeah. Um, Is that content directly impacting in four years time, Mm. the chances of an individual remembering that post and renting in that building when it's finished. So the building owner finds a fence to that content. Yeah. That's how tricky it is. That's
0: how tricky it is. And the
1: user never sees this. So when the reader, when a post disappears, it's because of the law around that. And we, we're really good at it. Like we know almost everything. Uh, but there's some times where even I, and it's been thousands of posts, it's been eight years, it's 16, series. like, even I didn't think or didn't spot the the thing that the individual who you don't know exists, sees in something that you don't see is there. Yeah. And that's the issue. How
0: would you, how would you handle that? For example, if something did come out where, you know, people are saying, you know, how dare you speak about Robbie's, How dare you do this? Would you correct yourself in the next post, for example? Would there be like a public statement or would it be just kind of handled quietly in the background? Like, what is your kind of style of handling that? We,
1: we, oh, we don't like to delete things. We like to own our mistakes. It's why we take so much heat. We don't hide. Mm-hmm. Like brands hide, hide, go quiet for a week. Influencers delete stuff. We don't. Yeah. We let the heat come to us. It costs us business. But there's a part of journalists that, you know, part of social media that, you know, it's published own your mistakes, embrace it, ask for a statement, correct the mistake, yep. meme of pop up and I love them and they highlight our mistakes and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But as much as possible, uh, speak to people about it. There was an incident recently when lights went out in the cinema Yeah, and uh, it, it emerged that it was an electricity in the neighborhood. And I would have loved if the, the, the entity said that, communicated on social media because they have social media pages right. and said there was, a, it's not our vicinity that had an error at a fault. Our vicinity is perfect. Mm-hmm. By the way, lights went out as happens. It's normal. It's normal. And if you communicate,
0: it's a transparency thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's transparency. goes a long way. It is a very powerful thing.
1: Yeah. But, but people have jobs and people mm-hmm. have KPIs and targets and I respect that. And, you know, we, we try and have these systems in place, like the learnings yeah. on all these things is let's build more systems and more, people to be able to communicate whether it's direct whether it's with spokespeople and all this sort of stuff yeah and you know and let's package things up like there was something else last week where you know memes were posted something funny and Mm -hmm. uh, another entity kind of said well actually there's another side of the story and we found a really nice way to tell that in another way later and they were like that's that's beautifully done you know and i think you know i think there's there's definitely ways like we do a lot of yeah. media partnerships and yeah. sometimes things go wrong at events and the amount of times that we sort of uh understand the messaging that needs to come out yeah and sort of you know that sort of thing and, and then but even further like you know as much as you get the message across there are certain times where things go off in the comments, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then that becomes the issue. And yeah. I think, like, if you had the same headline in a newspaper, yep. you couldn't f- see the triggeredness. You
0: couldn't see it. You couldn't see how people are reacting.
1: Exactly. So when when people call us and kind of go, "Oh, that post," it's they're really talking about the comments
0: exactly and,
1: yeah and the, and then in that sense like you have to go well you look at the comments and if there's a lot of hate speech there you go well we don't want to incite that so we turn the comments off and mm. people say it's protect you no it's like it's for the society it's for that we don't we don't want you guys to be going off at each other like yeah yeah it's better engagement for us yeah but we don't want it because it's not like what like it's fascinating i mean like you know people used to say uh if it if it bleeds it leads yeah I don't believe that. I genuinely I don't, don't. Either, like, either. like it could, it could get more engagement, but I don't think,
0: or like all PR is good PR. It's not, it, it doesn't, no, any PR is good PR. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, brands need people to talk about them, but like, you know, there's certain points where, why do you, you know, by, by doing that, then you're, you're choosing more of those negative stories and it's missing. Yeah. The, we see so much positive enga- so much engagement on feel good stories. Yeah, like the cats. The, yeah, cats.
0: Cats, <laughs> love the cat videos. Yeah.
1: <laughs> loads of stuff, like loads of like, loads of like proposals, loads yeah. of uh, uh, special moments when people return home, mm-hmm. loads of things on airplanes, like loads of like emotive things that yeah. just read. And then you go, okay, well, well, why why does it, if it bleeds, it leads? Why does it have to be negative? Right. Like there was a story in uh, Egypt recently uh, uh, in Hurghada in Salashish, where a shark at a, yeah. I saw that, yeah. story. And we didn't cover it. We didn't show the video of the shark. It was
0: very intense to see online, and I was surprised it was going around actually. And I was like, I, had, I really want, don't want to see that.
1: Four articles with the video in the Daily Mail. Four articles. Imagine, like, so, what sort of society are they building? You, do you know what I mean? And I think, I think there's a, oh there's something there. After but, all like, the
0: Megan and Harry stories that I've seen, <laughs> I feel like I'm. If I ever move to the UK, I will not be reading the Daily Mail. <laughs> um, but yeah it is that's that's quite intense like that is um i'm happy that you said that like you, you were not showing the the footage of that because that was um unnecessary to be honest disturbing, yeah. disturbing and it does cause trigger a lot of emotions that is just quite like it's just why you know why you have to I, I, I ask yourself the question what are you actually trying to incite
1: yeah you know you can tell that story you can you can just you can say the tragedy that happened without uh showing the gory details because
0: you're in su- you're such you're in a position of power when you're on the, in the media, when you have a page that has one point something million followers, correct? Yeah. yeah. I'd love to speak about, um, the business side of things with Love and Dubai. Um, I think I watched an interview last week, uh, saying that you guys, you, most of your, um, like income, your profit comes from like brand deals and, um, collaborations. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you you make is it worth around five million US dollars right now?
1: We'll do seven point four net dollars this year, eleven dollars gross, but that's across uh so we have another brand with Smashy TV a streaming oh, okay. service. Yep. Uh, which is a vertical base, it does local UE sports and it does Arabic content. We've like seven or eight Snapchat shows in Arabic in Riyadh. Uh we have Odium, which is a content studio. So we do uh like white label assets and some other projects there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Love and Love and cancer for Love and UAE, including Abu Dhabi and Sharjah and Rakh count for about 70% of that business.
0: Nice. And that comes from the media collaborations that you do?
1: Yeah, about 80% of it comes from branded content, what we call branded content. Branded content. We also have audience sort of display, affiliate, rev share. And then we also have some on Smashy, some subscription. But the the branded content piece kind of stems from. my time in media agency sort of figuring out native formats yeah i really believed in native advertising like Mm -hmm. i always did social media and i always thought that native is better if you if you integrate into the story into the content in different ways Mm -hmm. but when we thought of sponsored articles which was our main format in the early days it would be label sponsored we would guarantee we would say we always guarantee the views we say five thousand unique people in dubai will spend three minutes reading your article so it dispels the coverage thing, right? Like, oh, I mentioned, no, like you get the article approved, yeah. the opening re- dates, the the details, the things like that. And mm. that's upper funnel awareness. And because it's so hyper-local, they mm. see the impact on footfall. So that was our unit. That was yep. our model. And that we just replicate that in every type of new media format. So there was times where moles were paying us a few thousand dollars to do Facebook Live. When we had a million fans on Facebook by 2018, and we were going to moles to do that, guaranteeing them a hundred thousand views. Yeah. But then the algorithm changed. Facebook no longer think it's brand safe. And now they're pushing vertical video reels and all this sort of stuff. So then you adapt to that as well. But the, the method stays the same. Now how clients interpret that they can either do it as purely native Mm -hmm. or they can do it as advertorial. Advertorial is very much pushy. It's like there's a, there's a brunch happening in this place at the weekend or, uh, 11, things that you feel like with your friends brought to you by the brunch. So Mm. the the, the more native one is the, is the, is the latter. And it depends on the marketing funnel. Like, do you, do you already think that people are ready to purchase? Okay, then go with the, the former, go with the lower funnel. If you think you want to sort of own this sort of conversation and be more, uh, you know, it it depends on where you are as a brand as well. So it's marketing, I guess.
0: Marketing. Okay. I want to ask you a little bit more about you and how you kind of started and as an entrepreneur, um, if someone wanted to start a love in Dubai right now in 2023, what would you tell them? Give give us like maybe like a top three tips, three to five tips on how they should handle becoming an entrepreneur or like a leader in this industry.
1: Yeah. I th- you know, I th- like I love entrepreneur stories because they're always different. Yeah. Like, you know, I was with a guy yesterday who was telling me he's writing, what's it called, underdog entrepreneurs. And he has, it's the same style of person each time. They don't know their industry they just solve some of the problem uh my story is more than i knew the industry from a media marketing point of view right and i understood every nook and cranny in it like i'd worked in seven eight agencies i'd established in my previous role in the region Uh, i did it across the region so like i hired like 30 trilingual graduates in beirut and did social media across 13 countries and i was doing that internally Mm. across a big network so (laughs) So there's some things that come from there, right? There's discipline, They show up every day, there's understanding the shape of these things, of these entities and what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that side of it, like, but the first few years were, uh, were difficult. Like, uh, you know, I was out of money, I, I, everything that, the hardship that entrepreneurs go through.
0: Do you have investors at the beginning?
1: I had, I had that, I had, uh, so there's pe- a few people own 25% of the business. Okay and the money that went in in 2016 2017 uh there's been no external cash since right so and we've been paying dividends every year since 2017 yeah. and reinvesting about 80% and uh you know now we have uh like, as i said like the you know we we've three offices uh and presence in seven countries and like a 12,000 square foot unit in dubai production city and you know we We'll do the numbers that I said, but that's all been incremental. Mm -hmm. It's been going from a co-working space with not being able to afford the fancy desks and having to have the shared desks, Mm. you know, and the embarrassment of that to affording the first office that was a shoebox, like for ten people, were in eight hundred square feet, and there was two offices there. Yeah, we were sardines, and then affording the next one and the next one and stuff like that. And you know, so there's a lot of that part of entrepreneurship. Yeah, but to your point, like I think. And, you know, to the question of if you're starting today, I I like the sort of work ethic element. That would be the advice. Um, And to keep it simple and to believe, don't think you have to come up with an idea. I didn't come up with an idea. Mm. I just executed something that I had autonomy over and I had freedom over and I put my heart and soul into it. Yeah. But, um, But, you know, starting a love in Dubai today. Um, I feel like we're still starting Love in Dubai today in many ways. And I feel like all the questions that that question would evoke yeah. uh, it goes through my mind every day from, from, you know, this morning when I'm up, I'm training, I'm I'm literally looking and obsessing over new media formats constantly. And Yasmin, I mean, that's why I, I think I'm fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think like, I think that's why I'm, I'm lucky because I'm, I'm passionate about what I do mm-hmm. and it might, it might, not the right use of the word stress, but it might like keep me kind of going, Ah, oh, but like everyone's doing this and everyone's yeah. on this. Why aren't we on this? And why aren't we doing it that way? Yeah. What's our newsletter strategy? What's a podcast? How are we doing streaming? How are we getting loving into a free ad supported streaming service? Mm-hmm. But if I if I take a step back and I channel that and I go, ah, that's me caring about like what's on my food menu and what a customer is eating and what's the ingredients. Like it's, yeah. that's actually passion. And I, you know, I I love it.
0: I was going to ask you, yeah, what do you think is more important when you're trying to start a business, passion or discipline?
1: Oh, good one. Discipline. This, this, you can't do it without discipline. You can't do it. Okay, because like, you're
0: not going to have the passion every single day.
1: Yeah, not, and you know, and and people can make successful businesses with pure discipline okay. for a few years, but I think they won't keep it going forever if they don't have the passion. Because they won't be happy. Yeah. That's where they'll the exit, they'll in. sell. Like, I've I no intention of exiting like 30, 40 years, I don't care. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not what I'm in this.
0: So, share with us one mistake that you've made on your journey that really taught you a huge lesson in terms of you know being able to create this company that you have.
1: I think there's been things that we've been punished for like okay. legally and things like that but i wouldn't necessarily call them mistakes i think they're learning curves mm. mistakes are uh, things like strategic mistakes like market entry hiring mistakes yeah uh stuff like that that you kind of go oh, that was a waste of money like i did smashy did live streaming in arabic for three four years thinking that linear uh there would be linear versions of netflix and i just didn't get the timing right and mm. we made more success on snapchat in the vertical video but do, do I sort of, do I think that smashing what we've invested in it is a waste of money? No. Like yeah. when I look at, when I look at how media brands launch, Love in Dubai was a hit in the first month. Like the page views in September, 2015 were mm-hmm. a quarter of a million. I had a successful blog when I lived in London and it used to get five or 10,000 page views a month. Uh, it was a weekly post, but uh, so I knew that Love in Dubai was, 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 a, you know, when you, if a restaurant's busy on the first day, yeah. like Love in Dubai was busy on the first day, mm. but Smashy wasn't busy on the first day, but I believe in Smashy. It's the opposite to Lovin. It's for the driven dreamers doers. It's for the ambitious people in the region. It's streaming. It's, you know, like that, that's the opposite mindset brand to Lovin, mm. Loving people like a meme in the morning on Monday morning about hard to get out of bed and, you know, adulting yeah. and all this sort of jokes and stuff. Yeah. Where Smashy want motivational quotes and everything like that. But I've, I've wasted a and on paper, uh, I've wasted a lot of money on Smashy. Yeah. So th- there's things like that that you make mistakes. But, but like, in, th- in you know, our culture is like one of our values is ingenuity. And it's about like empowerment and things like that. And, you know, we love mistakes. Like, you know, mm. we don't we don't pressure. We don't stress over them.
0: What do you think is the biggest threat to media organizations these days or somebody who has a media company? Like, you know, in the way they think and the way they're like um, running it. Is there like kind of what do you think is the... Something that can hold someone back.
1: Yeah. Media is swimming against two massive currents. One is platforms Mm -hmm. and two is creators. Mm -hmm. And they're one in themselves. And, you know, like whether we think of TikTok or Instagram or Spotify or any creator platform. And then we think of the number of creators. You know, I was talking to the guys in Egypt last week and... Uh, we were, we, I said, how many TikTok accounts do we have across 16 Lovin's and 13 smashy Verticals? And it was about 30. Yeah. And uh, they were saying, like, if we pump out a lot of content and we have journalists and all that, we're going to have a big audience. Mm-hmm. And we, I put it in perspective. There are 1.7 or 2 billion TikTokers in the world. 850 million of them create content every day. Wow. Uh, or 850 regularly.
0: million only in Egypt?
1: No, no, globally. In the globally, so, okay. yeah. So, 850 million people are creators right. of 200 2 billion people users. So you can't make a dent. So, like, but the but the thing is here is where does this go? And exactly. when I when I try and cons- maybe I have a total wrong business view, and all media companies should just give up. But there's two ways that this goes. The good creators become media companies, yeah. And the and media companies are the only ones who can talk about all the creators your podcast, who's going to write about your podcast, your competitor who has another podcast Mm -hmm. or the media company who likes to see what's happening in podcasting. Mm. Uh, But going back to the first point about uh, we are on a podcast now, where do you see this podcast going? Mm. Right. Where do you see, is this a media company? If you look at, uh, to relatively creator-led podcasts, so not the high global ones, but say in this region, say AB Talks with Alex yeah. Bukash, or say in the UK, do I have a CEO with Stephen Bartlett? Yeah. If you go on their LinkedIn pages just for their podcasts, not for Bukash Brothers, just for AB Talks, uh, he might he might tell me I'm wrong here now, but it <laughs> says like 11 or 16 full-time employees, Right. die of a CEO has 21 full-time employees. It is
0: a production, right? They're so are a it company. It's, it's, a, it's so, a media company. So th-
1: but, but still, they're competing. The viral video that they make with their guest goes into the algorithm, into that part of Whatever. But the the amazing thing about digital media companies, and it's why you asked us about our business model, the best way to make money is many ways. You have to be diversified. We've chosen not to do talent management. We've chosen not to do events Mm -hmm. because I think they're different businesses. But we'll choose every way digitally that we can because that's part of our our plan. But look, like the, the media is actually a fun world to work in. But uh, business, why is it challenging? It is a
0: challenge, right? But I'm excited to see where it heads, and I'm so excited to see where Love in Dubai is going, also. <laughs> well,
1: thanks for the chat, and good luck with your podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Richard. I was uh, that was really insightful, and I hope you guys also enjoyed it, guys. If you like this video, do like and just uh, drop a hey in the comments below, and subscribe to the channel because it really does help. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.